the Go With The Flow Center for Positive Living. There we are. There we are. So, mad dash back home. No SD card there. It was in the, um, it was in the computer there. It's always the easy answer, right? right? Um, our regularly scheduled activities are located on the calendar, hanging up in the hallway downstairs. Does anyone have any announcements? Joanne. Yes, we are going to have our annual church picnic. We were going to have it at Gales, but we just had a discussion. We're just going to bring a barbecue and a canopy and just everybody hang out here after church and just chill out and not have to drive anywhere. So August 25th, is that Sunday the 25th? Yeah. Sunday the 25th, okay. Here after service. Yes, and if anybody enjoys a long ride, they can go visit Gale afterwards. <laughs> there we go. Alright, Deb. I took little Bill up to St. Pete's last Tuesday and had two stents put in and it's doing better. Yes. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. I had one of those put in too and, and it's not. Considering what you <laughs> could He may have to have two more, but he did the two important more important ones. So he's doing better. Good. Good, good. Oh look at all the announcements today. <laughs> Susan. Um, this is a requesting announcement. We have um, no readers for the next three weeks, so if you want to hear a reading, you need to volunteer to do that, and you can talk to me after. Okay. Anyone else? Anything else? Yay. Okay. Then please join me in our unity statement in your program. And we'll say it together. We believe in our oneness with all life and the power of God. We teach universal principles and values as taught by Jesus and others, revealing the one God presence. We practice prayer, meditation, and service to be conscious of our oneness. Now please stand for our song of joy. There is sunshine in my soul today. And that's number 21 in your hymnals. No, that must be from last week. Oh. <laughs> oh my gosh. Wrong one. <laughs> 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 yes. 
Well, what I are we doing? So. Yeah. What are we doing? We're doing twenty-one. Oh, no. No. no, no. It was last week. No. A song called you might know it by the Judds. They did it. Love can build a bridge. We're just gonna sing. Yeah, you're gonna know it now. And uh, Janine Cummings is a guest. She's gonna be leading us in it.
And we're blessed this morning. Yeah. Hallie will. Oh, oh, sorry. Whoops. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. You're right. Hallie will be giving us a reading. Yes. Would you like there? every day, it's all about joy. So that's what I'm talking about today. Charles Fillmore tells us that joy is the happiness of God, expressed through humankind. <laughs> I can't notice my shirt before. <laughs> because we are God's living expression, joy is our birthright, part of our nature. He also reminds us that gladness gives us strength, primarily when we focus on spiritual things. We are an open channel of God's love and joy when family and friends gather. This is a time of joy and love, of caring and compassion, of opening our mind and heart, our very soul to the divine. Joy is a divinely inspired attitude we take with us into every experience of our life. And we share our attitude with everyone we meet as the divine happiness in us recognizes itself in each other. And when families and friends get together, like today or in time, these can be an atmosphere of harmony and peace, even if just one person in the group knows and understands the power of prayer. Anyone, anyone can be that one. Wherever you find yourself, you can radiate a spirit of peace and unity. And in any gathering, you can silently bless all who are present. Silently bless all who are present. You can know that God's Spirit is in each one. You can be a center of harmony and understanding as you keep your mind stayed on God, and as you keep your attention on the good, the true, and the perfect in all persons. You will find that as you consciously bless the place where you are and the people who are with you with a prayer of love and peace, the atmosphere around you will be filled with peace, and the people around you will be harmonious, congenial, happy, and joyful. The joy of the Lord is our strength, and we are God's joy. Thank you. Thank you very much. Now, Please remain seated for our meditation song, Everything You Do, Do With Love. So this is a very simple chant mantra that uh, came to me while I was walking with Isaac up this, um, this wooded pathway, um, pretty uphill uh, at 
maybe some of you are familiar with the Garfield Nature Trail in Olympia. That's uh, where this little chant came to me. And so if you want to close your eyes and imagine yourself walking, even if you want to stand up and walk in place, you're welcome to. Or just kind of sway side to side, tapping your feet side to side. And you can sing along too if you feel it.
this being the fourth Sunday of the month, we will be using the progressive Lord's Prayer, and that's also found in your program, I'm sorry, in the front of your hymnal, and please put it back there when you finish. Alright, together, our Creator, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, I am. I am thy kingdom come, I am thy will be done. I am on earth, even as I am in heaven. I am giving this day daily bread to all. I am forgiving all life, even as I am also all life forgiven me. I am leading all men and women from temptation. I am delivering all men and women from error. For I am the kingdom, I am the power, I am the glory of God in eternal, immortal manifestation. All this I am. is for the O is for the first principle, which is, 
And, and as I say this, um, nod your head if you're familiar with the five great basic principles of unity. So yeah, the first principle is about uh, omnipotence, that God, there is only one presence, and you guys have that in your um, affirmation, there is only one presence and one power in the universe, and in my life, God the good, omnipotent. So God's omnipotence and God's omniscience, um, there is only one. And that is actually, right, a pretty um, unique way of seeing the world compared to some more traditional um, Christian churches and their teachings. Um, the second one is the oh, oh there is the oneness. So the oneness that we have with the divine, with spirit with a capital S, and the oneness that we have with each other. And uh, that we, because we are made in the image and likeness of God, and I think it, uh, for a lot of people, it used to be that they would see that as, okay, so God looks like that picture of Jesus with hair about my color or lighter and blue eyes and, right? No. The idea is that we are made in the image and likeness of God in terms of spirit, that we are connected with God and with each other. Um, so there's that oneness. The third principle, the M, is for mindfulness. And mindfulness in terms of the words that we choose. So not just the words that we actually speak, but words that we use in terms of our thought processes. So our mindfulness, um, the way we can regain focus. And, and I know that we all have different ways of doing that. So um, I know for me, it's very often in song, because I have just songs. My husband would say that I'm a walking musical, and so there are always songs going through my head, and I can you know, come up with them, because thankfully I have, that is just my go-to. So um, does anybody want to share just kind of something that is your go-to? Either you have an affirmation, or you have a particular prayer, something that, so raise your hand if you have something that is your go-to when you're really needing it. For Tom, sometimes it's just, ah! And, you know, and then he comes back to center. Divine order. And we, okay, so affirming divine order. Yeah, divine order in all things, yeah. Any others, yeah? Yeah, I'm going to get that spot I remind myself. Things are always working out for me. This is going to work out too. Yeah, good. That good self-talk. Things are always working out for me. This is going to work out too. And that makes me think of this or something better. Yes, Karen? Uh, this is a dream. I am, a dr I am the dreamer. I dream joy. Oh, wow. So this is a dream. I'm the dreamer. I dream joy. And yeah. so, um, Just to remind yourself this is all an illusion. Yeah, that, yeah. And you're in and charge. I'm in that, and then my choices, I'm choosing the joy in it. Awesome. Mike, did you? Yeah, just walking in nature. Walking in nature, like you were doing with Isaac when that song came to you. Awesome. Mine is saying thank you, God. And realizing Yeah, so the, the gratitude, yeah. Um, I had had um, um, almost a... A paranoia, there's probably a, a, a word that says a paranoia of flying. There's, there must be an actual word for your, if you have that paranoia, that fear. And um, one thing that helped me get through that was getting to a place, one, at first it was that it was okay for me to choose not to a month after the 9-11 
fly to California for my grandmother's 100th birthday. It was forgiving myself, accepting that this is just not something I'm ready to do right now. And had never had a fear of flying before that. But when I started moving through that fear and got to a place where now I enjoy flying, um, except for the ear pain, that's something that's, that's a chronic. But it is the gratitude. It is that I will consciously um, bring to mind, I'm grateful for the pilot, I'm grateful for all the crew, I'm grateful for the mechanics who have supported this plane and have supplied our safety. And just, you know, just inwardly, I'm thinking those things. So, good. We have, it is clear to me that the mindfulness is something that's um, solid here in this congregation. So after the, the M and the Oompa is the P, and the P is for, what do you think? Prayer, exactly, the power of prayer. So we often have go-to prayers, and that goes like right in, in line with the, the mindfulness there. So the prayer um, often for me uh, is the prayer for protection. And uh, one of my sisters reminded me of that when I was worrying about one of our kids, and in general just really, really missing him because our one, our youngest is with us right now until August, middle of August, and then she'll be in New York. Our middle is in Bellingham. Our eldest is in Lesotho, which is in Southern Africa, in the Peace Corps. So how far away could you possibly get from your mom? So my little song that comes to mind with him is, So far away, doesn't anybody stay in one place anymore? Right, right? And, and then my song for Chris is the one in Bellingham, is uh, the cats in the cradle and the silver spoon. And um, wait, I think that's what it is. What is it, Greg? Is it the cats in the cradle? Okay, yeah, because it, is that the one where the son keeps saying, oh, keep coming back and too busy, busy, busy? So we get little uh, little spurts of visits with him. Anyway, my sister reminded me in those moments of sadness and really, really missing my kids that are so far away to do the prayer protection for them. And um, and how powerful it is for the person who's saying the prayer, and I really believe in the power of prayer for um, myself and for others. Okay, the, uh, the A in Oompa is for action. So in the five basic principles of unity, that fifth one is putting into action things that you are believing and, and studying in your in your truth. So there's truth with the capital T, and there are a lot of truths with lowercase T that um, I would I would venture to guess we all have some that coincide and some that maybe overlap a little bit. So um, and that gets to being gentle with yourself and gentle with other people. So. My main emphasis this morning is the fifth principle, putting into action what we believe and what we're working on for ourselves, which is a simultaneous thing. When you, are, when you are doing the work for yourself, whether you're in, say, a 12-step program or you are um, a Unity student, um, whatever is yours to do, that when you're doing that, you are automatically affecting other people like the pebble in the pond. The ripple from you goes out. So your mind, your, the thinking, your thought processes, the being mindful, so bringing, coming back to affirming the highest 
good and, and affirming, you know, just whatever confidence building you need to do, and for other people too around you. Um, but having grown up in Unity, I have actually seen and experienced an evolution that we are becoming more focused, which I am glad about, on the fifth principle, on reaching out. So service is something that I can tell from in your program, what you guys all read together every Sunday morning, service is an important thing. And so it's service, whatever you're called to do in service. So I know my parents in their retirement, one of the things that they had done for a long time was Meals on Wheels. And um, for them, it just, it brought them so much joy to be delivering those meals to people who were homebound. And I think that um, when we are feeling, feeling filled ourselves, then we really can be expanding that to other people. But I think you don't have to go to something as structured as being a uh, volunteer for Meals on Wheels or whatever, something like that. It's even your day-to-day, -day, what we always do. And at this point, I'm like, I'm preaching to the choir. I know I'm preaching to the choir. Um, but I think it's just good to kind of remember those things and, and put a punctuation mark on this is what we're here to do. Um, and a lot of it is because I think we are being called things are coming up for healing in this country, in this world. And when we choose to be of service in the healing, um, not only with ourselves, but with other people, then um, that's when things really start happening. So whatever kinds of things you're drawn to. Um, one, when I decided I wanted to talk about advocacy, part of it is because the work that I've been doing for the past year in the school working with kids who have behavioral disorders, uh, clinically, you know, a, a oppositional defiance disorder, um, ADD, ADHD, um, things that really have gotten them to a point where they're unable to be in a regular classroom and need to be in this program where we had basically 10 kids and six adults and um, loving, awesome team of people where I, I commented at one point, it was like we are one family that is, you know, kind of kind of dysfunctional and yet the, the adults are pretty darn relatively functional and yet it's six of us parenting these kids. <laughs> so the communication that has to happen is pretty, you know, conscious and mindful. There was a point where I started realizing one of the one of my fellow teachers was commenting on a student advocating for himself and saying, way to, way to advocate for yourself. And the first time I heard it in the context, because it was I was dealing with that kid at the time, I I got a tiny bit taken aback and was like feeling a little defensive, which is my go-to. I don't know about you. And I thought, is this, is she saying way to advocate for yourself like because because Mrs. Charles was doing something in opposition to you or some, whatever? And I stopped myself and thought, no, that isn't what she meant. And and I gave it more thought and realized she is just saying, because she, she started saying it a lot to all of them, they needed to learn that their self-advocacy was imperative. They 
still we all need to learn that self-advocating is something, and so saying things out loud, getting your needs met, saying, um, I need a break right now. That's a hard thing. That's a hard thing for a lot of people to do, but our kids that we work with in our program, um, instead they would just start escalating. And, you know, they feel triggered and they start escalating and go to their comfort zone of thrashing the room or whatever. So for them to get to where they can learn to take a breath, we teach them four-square breathing and you know, just all kinds of mindfulness, and say, I need a break. That self-advocacy is huge. So um, I started kind of focusing on the word advocacy. So advocacy, obviously, you are advocating, you are supporting, you are often publicly saying, this is something that I stand for, this is something that I promote, and I advocate for this. Um, and then, of course, self-advocacy is kind of sometimes, sometimes protecting yourself, sometimes it's placing boundaries, sometimes it's just saying, here I am, this is mine to do. Um, I fell upon, through this, I get this daily medium, I think it's called medium digest, is that what it is, Mike? I mentioned it to you yesterday. You're like, oh, I think I got that. Um, this email, oh, Medium Daily Digest. I did have, the, have the sense to write it down. Medium Daily Digest. So the, the person who wrote this particular article, his name is, their name is Devin Price, and they are a social psychologist teaching social psychology on the, uh, at a college. And... Um, they were talking about, well, the title of their article was Laziness Does Not Exist. Subtitle is, but barriers do. So what Devin Price realized was that a lot of teachers, and especially at the college level, have this idea of, well, you're in college now. You're, you're a big boy, you're a big girl, and you need to be able to step up. And when I say that there's an assignment, and this is when it's due, figure it out and turn it in on time. They figured out that they had students in their class for whom that was sometimes impossible. Um, students that were regularly not turning things in or um, showing up late, all kinds of things that would present to a lot of people as laziness, right? Lack of motivation. And what Devin realized was there were other professors at that same school who saw the same students as lazy or unmotivated. Devin decided instead to look at them from a place of curiosity and, and a desire to understand what it was and realized that there are barriers that um, when that person is presenting as a procrastinator, can anybody identify with that word, procrastinating? Oh my goodness. And procrastinators very often are very, very creative artists, right? And um, if you realize that it is not as black and white as you have been procrastinating, but that there are barriers sometimes that show up. And if you can see that for another person, which is what Devin Price chose to do, and get into conversation with, the students that were having a hard time getting things done, or even having a hard time coming to class sometimes, Devin realized 
that that willingness to look at it from a place of curiosity rather than judgment really started opening doors. And students that in the past had been, you know, really uh, not getting things done were realizing that Devon's openness about mental health and addiction and that we need to understand one another and, and see each other not just as how we're showing up, but with a, a gentleness and an understanding of um, maybe there is something, whether it's diagnosed or not, that is a mental illness that that person is struggling with. So that just sort of opening up conversation, and they had lots of discussions in their class about mental illness and and the importance of advocating for people with mental illness. So one student in particular that Devon talks about just suddenly is um, showing up more, getting there on time, feeling more welcome, feeling more accepted, and a conversation that Devon had with that student gave that student more flexibility, and Devon was like, you know what? I'm gonna give you some grace, you're not gonna, you know, and just kind of worked things out and said, can you, agree to be open with me if there are times when you're struggling, whatever. So just kind of breaking down barriers of professor and student and this. And I remember that in college, being one of 700 students at the University of Washington in, you know, in this lecture hall and feeling like a number. And when um, a professor, and this tended to happen more when I moved to Evergreen after I finished at the U, I had a professor that, that I ran into on co in college on campus, David Hitchens. He um, asked me one time, so how are you doing? But it was the look on his face, the sincerity that he wasn't just, you know, it wasn't small talk, it was he really wanted to know. We ended up going back to his office and having a heart to heart and I will never forget his compassion. And I, um, I really thrived in his class more than I had in a lot of other classes because I knew that he really understood that I was struggling and that I had some, um, and for me a lot of it was keeping up on the reading. If you go to Evergreen, the Evergreen State College, oh my goodness, it's a lot of reading. So it was really daunting. So um, another thing that in this article, Devin Price talks about this author who they really admire, and the author goes by Mick Everett, and the book uh, that, that Devin mentioned was this one. I was so impressed with the article and, and what they said about it. Self-publishing kindling, it's memoirs of a homeless bookstore owner. So it is in first person by um, a woman who, she and her husband have a couple kids, they are living out of a motorhome, and at the, at the beginning of the book, it's that the motorhome is completely broken down. They've parked it in a Walmart parking lot, but they ultimately have to get it towed over to a part of the Walmart parking lot that's more designated for homeless people. Um, one, reading that opened my mind about Walmart because I, for a long time, would be, I don't shop at Walmart because I had this idea of what they, you know, with their employees, that some of the information I had was true and I didn't know the whole truth with a capital T. And I 
I occasionally will get something from Walmart now. Um, that was really heartening, though, to find out that this was the case in Colorado, at least in this part of Colorado. So um, the book, I'm only about halfway through it, but I brought it because I would highly recommend considering getting it. And one of the things that the author and her husband, um, at least at the time of writing this, did was published, or rather carried books from Colorado authors who self-published. So their emphasis was they wanted to not only support the arts, not only support fellow writers, support local fellow writers, and um, really help those writers sell their product. So they're supporting their craft. So um, another thing that Devin talked about was just making a shift in how you see. So just as Devin made a shift in how they saw their students who were struggling and understood there must be barriers that are unseen, then they suggested you do that with other people that come up for you in your life whether that's someone who is homeless. Um, and I, I think that there are many people who will get into a conversation with a friend about, well, if you give them a dollar, if you give that person who's panhandling a dollar, they're just going to go and use whatever. They're, they're, you're supporting their addiction. This person said, you need to consider the truth of homelessness. If you are, say it's winter, and you are freezing at night, then, and you are still addicted, and yet that is going to get you through the night, then so be it. So it was a matter of shifting to a perspective of not judging. If you are reaching out to help someone and you're giving them a dollar or five dollars, then um, to do it without judgment, to just do it from a place of love, then unless you have been homeless, then you can't really have a sense of what, you know, it's not yours to figure out what they're going to do with it. It is just the act of, of loving and giving. Um, and then Devin also talks more about procrastination, about when a person fails to begin a project that they care about, it's typically due to either anxiety about their attempts of not being good enough, or confusion about what the first steps of the task are. So in Devin's case, Devin um, was ma is masterful about being able to complete projects. And so within a year, Devin um, completed their thesis and um, just had it inherently what the, what the steps are, what the process was. And realized that for many of their students, that wasn't the case. So reaching out to them and giving them um, not only being compassionate and understanding, but helping to give them the tools of, okay, big picture, this is the due date, here are some steps, give yourself some due dates between there, now and then, and do this by this date, and so on. So to have, for that teacher to advocate at that level of education is just amazing to me. My sister, I have two sisters, they're both, both brilliant, and when one of them, the second one, was in seventh grade, she and I were talking recently, and she said, remember Mrs. Worthington? So Mrs. Worthington was a pretty new teacher, but I don't remember, and she didn't remember, is whether Mrs. Worthington was brand new, but she was my sister's block teacher, 
So block includes English, it's English and social studies, and I think there might be a third one in there. But um, she, the, the main subject that my sister was apparently, from the perspective of Mrs. Worthington, seemed to be struggling with was English. And it was just that she was not turning things in on time. So when the progress report halfway through the semester reflected that, and my mom finally became aware, wow, this, this kiddo of mine getting a failing grade that doesn't, doesn't match her history and doesn't match her, she's brilliant. So my mom went to advocate for my sister, talking with the teacher, and the teacher thankfully, um, and I, I hope that my mom went in with a you know, uh, respectful presence, um, and the teacher heard her and decided that, okay, apparently um, due dates are too daunting for this student. And to be told, you have to turn in this paper by this day was just not working for my sister, whatever, whatever the reason. So when my mom gave her the information and she decided, okay, this is someone who I need to think outside the box, I need to... Um, help her help herself. So in a conversation she had with my sister Lisa, she pretty much just said, no due dates. When you, when I give an assignment, and you can just know that I will say to publicly to everybody in the class, let's do whatever, that does not apply to you, let's just see what happens. So of course my sister thrived, she flourished, and, and ultimately that teacher was realizing that she needed to also give Lisa some more challenging tasks, some more challenging assignments, and Lisa just flourished. Now, at the age of 57, my sister will never forget that teacher. And she's, um, she's like, she was my favorite teacher ever. And it was the compassion, it was the understanding, it was her willingness to think outside the box on behalf of this student. Um, so, an experience that I recently had when it comes to self-advocacy, because I think advocating um, for other people sometimes is also you are simultaneously advocating for yourself. And my husband and I were camping, which is one of our favorite things to do. It was just the two of us, which was not initially the, the idea. At least my two that live in the country were gonna go with us, but no, that didn't happen. So here we are in, um, at Ocean City State Park. Is that right, honey, or was it? Yeah. And we, we, how many people like to camp? And isn't part of that experience the serenity, the stillness, listening to nature, and in this case, being at the ocean, being able to hear the waves, and be able to hear all the animals, and that is it's a, such an important part of the camping experience. Well, it was, unfortunately getting sabotaged by our next door neighbors that, that pulled in the second day we were there. And in their minds, part of the ideal camping experience included music that they brought in. Music, of course, I'm a musician, I love it. But this was music, um, radio, um, blaring, so they could share with everybody. So it, it, was, it was annoying in the beginning, but we thought, this is, you know, it'll pass and let's just see. 
Then uh, my parents came to join us for dinner, just to be there for the afternoon, evening. We walked on the beach with them. We come back to the campsite, and the music is still going on very loudly. So we're all talking about it. We share some stories with each other about having experienced similar things with Greg and I when our two first kids were little tinies, and we were camping, and we just approached the neighbors, who were quite a well, not quite a bit younger, but younger than we, and they were just a bunch of young adults there to party. And um, where we just, we said, okay, our littles are going to be going to bed. Their bedtime is eh, about 8 o'clock, so if you wouldn't mind, just starting to bring it down. And, and it didn't happen. And the next day, their um, car wouldn't start because the battery was dead. Because they continued to play music. Little karma happening right there in front of us. A little lesson for our kids. So in this instance, uh, in this recent camping trip, um, there came a point where after my parents had left, and it was just Greg and me, we were um, at the fire wanting to really enjoy it, um, and the music just not only continued, but there came a point where they cranked it on one song that was apparently one of their favorites, and that was it. It was my tipping point. And, and I realized I have to, it was, I had already started walking over toward their site and there's brush between the two sites. So I, I positioned myself where I could, there's the power position, right? You put like shoulder with the, and I just do this automatically. I just always, this is who I am. This is how I've always been. And I, so I'm standing and probably hands on hips. And I think all I said was, it's too loud. Oh no, I was, waving, I was waving my arms. I'm like, I want to be sure that they see and hear me because this is too much and it has to stop. So it not only turned, they turned it way down, they turned it off. And that was it. And the part of me felt a tiny bit guilty, but checking in with Rick, I'm like, honey, was that too much? Was I over the top? He said, no. He said, I was thinking somebody has got to stand up to them. They weren't bad people. They were making a decision that was just not really thinking it through. And once they got the information that this is not okay, then they stopped. I think for me that was a reminder about how just sometimes it's okay to um, express in a, in a louder, bigger way that, nope, this has got to stop. That's it. And we all are probably familiar because a story about Jesus comes up in all four Gospels about him going into the temple and saying, my temple should be a, a house of prayer, that you've made it a den of thieves. And granted, in unity, we like to, and, and it's awesome that we um, look for the metaphysical meaning. There's always a deeper meaning. And in that case, it also can be that that little story at face value is important and something we can learn from. Jesus just saying, no, this is not the intention of this space. This space is a holy space where people come and it is something that's being used, misused and it has to stop right now. So um, I think it's challenging to um, do that kind of advocacy and do it with a and I just, I think that I'm, I'm still working on it. There are times when I do it better than others, but um, I do think that we in unity are 
starting to realize that that's uh, more important, not standing up to other people in it, but advocacy, just advocating for ourselves and for other people. So that could mean for some of us, um, it's going to participate actively in a march. And for me, I, I had for years been unable to do that because of anxiety. And now, not only do I have a, a maturity and an ability to understand and be um, empathetic toward people who, for whom anxiety is prohibiting um, and making it impossible for them to, to show up in that way, but it's also that I've moved through it not that I never feel anxious, but that I move through that level of anxiety where it is now so clearly part of my dharma to show up in that way. And so when the first women's march that happened in, was that 2016, 17? Because it was in January, that I felt called to um, participate in a big way, and I sang at the, um, at the rally and... Um, Oh, it was the next year. So I mean, that, that year I sang with a group of women. The, the year after that, the second time, is when I really felt this um, guidance to sing a Holly Near song, I Am Willing. And it was uh, affirming this willingness to be open and receptive and to advocate for the need for change. Um, so, okay, I want to get back to these slides, and five basic unity principles, Oompa, if you hadn't heard that before, I hope that's going to be something that is helpful. And that second one, um, or the first one, our oneness with God, God, no, the first one is one power in the universe, God the good, omnipotent, omniscient, omniscience, I guess would be the noun, our oneness with God, God is good and so we are. We are made in God's image and we are all one. Um, that's one that at Unity of Olympia, um, our minister, Reverend Terry Murray, will say God is good and everybody's response is all the time and she says all the time and all the time and everybody responds God is good. Will you do that with me? God is good. All the time. And all the time. God is good. Right? That's a nice affirmation. It's short and sweet. And then my friend Janine has come up with a beautiful song, so we've done, oh, it's, it's lovely. Third one, mindfulness. Um, and thoughts held in mind produce after their kind. You would not believe how much time I spent looking for the name of the person who originally said that. I honestly don't remember if it was Charles Fillmore. It probably was. But it's, it's a big... Um, staple in unity that thoughts held in mind produce after their kind. And that does not condone spiritual hijacking, I added to that. Because when you, um, like I said, say you see someone who is homeless, and if you were to start putting on them the idea that, well, their thoughts, they must have negative thinking, they must not, that, that is spiritual hijacking. To make an assumption that someone who's struggling, going through something difficult, that they are not practicing this in the way that they should, that is spiritual hijacking. And I, um, So I try to remind myself of that. If I start seeing someone who I see is struggling and I start 
having a sense of pity, then I stop that and realize, you know, I, I affirm for them that basically love, that we're connected and, you know, and that, that things are going to be better and better for them. Prayer is powerful. Um, and then action, like I've been talking about. So knowing these principles is not enough. We must live the truth we know. So when we were camping and experienced the little thing, and I stood with hands on hips and waving arms and telling them it's too loud, then afterwards when I felt, I was like, oh, and, and Greg affirmed for me, no, that was needed to happen, thank you. The, the fire had burned down to embers, and if you look at this picture, when this fire, that's a fire in the picture, empire, and it's harder to see because of the, the light in the room, but when I saw that, I immediately saw the word joy. So if you can see the word joy, when you see in the almost center in that picture, there's the orangey glow. Above that is a log where it's just an ember log, light gray with black. The black, to me, and of course, you know, when you try to capture it in a picture, it's not as easy to... I can see it. Absolutely says joy. And I immediately thought, find the joy. And even though you know, I felt a tiny bit guilty, I thought not everybody in that party next to us was playing the music you know, way too loudly. It was probably one person, and probably everybody in that party felt like, oh, you know, felt badly. And, but um, still, I thought, okay, let's find the joy from this point on for the rest of our trip here. And may they you know, experience joy and not feel like um, I was telling them they were bad or anything. Um, so uh, I hope that this little reminder of finding the joy and then be, this is one, one quote I wanted to share from Mother Teresa, be the living expression of God's kindness, kindness in your face, kindness in your eyes, kindness in your smile. And that is something that um, I would like us to, to carry with us from here. And whereas, Mike, I had asked you before, you are welcome to just sit, because I wanted to share a song that um, I would like you to sing with me. And it is a Sufi, did that disappear? Okay. A Sufi prayer. And it is, May you be filled with loving kindness. May you be well. May you be peaceful and at ease, and may you be happy. Will you sing that with me? May you be filled with loving kindness. May you be well. May you be peaceful and at ease, and may you be happy.
loving kindness. May we be well. May we be peaceful and at ease. And may we be happy.
for our offering. There are two containers. The silver one is for supporting our center, and the copper one is for our outreach programs. Our offering prayer is located inside your program. Take a minute and put your offerings in your hand. And let's say the prayer together. Divine love through me blesses and multiplies all that I give and all that I receive. Beloved Mother, Father, God, we ask for the highest and greatest good for our brothers and sisters and endeavor to see them through your eyes, knowing all is in divine order. Amen. Now let's all say our prayer of protection together. You'll find that in the back of your program or on the wall to the right. Together. 
light of God surrounds us. The love of God enfolds us. The power of God protects us. The presence of God watches over us. Wherever we are, God is, and all is well. In closing, let's form that circle and join hands while we sing our song of peace. Thank you to everyone who made our service possible. Don't forget the coffee refreshments and fellowship downstairs. Look forward to seeing you next week. Let's talk to someone that we don't, or someone who doesn't come here regularly next week and ask them. Just one person and make the ask.